That was some good visiting. Just want to welcome all these courageous people here this morning that brave the cold. And I want to welcome everyone watching online today. I know there's a lot of cars that didn't start today, so uh, we miss you and appreciate that you're tuning in today. Uh, if, if you're just joining us or, or new to King's Corner, and, and as we've already talked about a little bit, we're, we're currently in a 21-day fast right now, and uh, I just want to ask how everyone's doing. How's everybody doing this week? Okay. So I'm seeing a couple grumpy faces. You did this. Um, you know, last week I said uh, that fasting can be a grind. And we talked about how when we fast, that you can, um, you will meet resistance, right? Resistance from the enemy, resistance from your own body. How many of you experienced some of those things this week? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Um, I know, I know that, that the first week is, is usually, uh, uh, the, for me anyway, it's kind of the biggest struggle. Um, and maybe you tried and, and maybe some of you failed a little bit. Um, but, but I want you to remember that God is very proud of you. Um, I, always, I always think when, of, of prayer and fasting, I always remember the, the idea of, of a baby or a toddler when they take their first steps towards their parents, right? And, and, and they, they're struggling and they're shaking and they, they might take a step and then they fall down and, and then they get back up and they try again and they fall down and, and the parents... They, they don't care that they've failed. They don't care that they've fallen down. They're just so excited. They're so excited that their child is taking steps towards them. And that's God the Father. He's not worried about that you've made mistakes or you failed in, in the fast or you fall down. He's, he's just so proud and so excited. He just loves it that you're taking steps to draw closer to him. And so I want you to remember that. God's proud of you this morning. And, and for those of you who haven't tried and you feel disappointed, how many of you know that his mercies are new every morning? Amen. And that we have a brand new week to pray and to fast. Isn't that awesome? So today what we're going to do is we're going to uh, start to target our fast. We're going to get a little more specific in our aim for this fast. Now, now this first week that just went by, what was our target? What was our aim? What, what was our main purpose this week in the fast? How many of you remember? I, I didn't hear. Draw near. Get into the word. To get hungry. Right? Remember? <laughs> okay, well, that's fine. No one remembered my message last week. So it's <laughs> fasting. Fasting is hungering for God. 
right? And so the idea this last week is that we're going to get hungry. One of the greatest promises in the Bible is that if we seek him, we will find him. What an incredible promise. But we're not going to seek him if we're not hungry. Fasting makes us hungry for, for spiritual things. How many of you felt that your, your spiritual appetite changed this week? Anybody? That is so exciting. That is so exciting. Um, and, and that is so important. So today, though, we're going to talk specifically about targeting, targeting our fast. We're going to talk about three of, of eight biblical fasts. So there's, there's eight different types of fasts that the Bible's talked about. We're going to talk about three this week. We're going to talk about five next week. And so I just want to preface this message with, with, with this. Sometimes I think when we go into fasting or we go into prayer even, I think sometimes we have the wrong motivation, we have the wrong relationship to fasting and prayer. I think sometimes people will use fasting and prayer as a way to impress God or to try to manipulate him to do what, what you want him to do or, or to answer your prayer, okay? And, and so... <clears throat> Um, that's, not, that's not a good motivation <laughs> for the fast, okay? And that's not going to be an effective or a successful fast. So fasting is not about getting what we want. Fasting is about coming into agreement with what God wants, okay? Fasting is, is about believing for God's word and God's will in your life. It's about surrender. Fasting is an act of humility, it's about surrendering to get on board with his plan, to align your heart with his heart. So you know what? You might enter into a fast with certain expectations and, and certain plans, specific plans, but God might change those plans as you draw close to him. He might change the way you're praying and what you're believing for, okay? As, as your heart draws close to his heart, Okay, um, and, and that's okay. That's okay if that happens. Because he loves us more than even we love us. Okay? And he knows the best for us, but he also knows what's best for his kingdom. And we're here to build his kingdom. Is that right? Okay, and so we can trust that. We can trust him because he's a good, good father. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you so much for your presence in this place. And God, I just pray that we come to some new understanding today, some new strategy today in, in living in the finished works of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so God, we just humbly thank you we just humbly thank you that we at any given moment can enter in to your presence. That any moment we can come into the Holy of Holies. At any moment we can make a decision to draw near to you, to seek you. And we will find you because of what Jesus did. And so we just thank you so much for that, God. And I just pray that every 
one of us in this room, every one of us watching online, and everyone in, in this church that's not here today, that we're going to take full advantage, Lord, full advantage of coming in to the presence of our great God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so go ahead and turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 58. <clears throat> Isaiah 58, this, this is considered the fasting chapter in the Bible. And we can get a lot of insight into what God's purpose in fasting is, what he specifically intended it for, what he designed it for in Isaiah 58. And all eight of the biblical fasts that we're going to be talking about are supported in Isaiah 58. So we're going to begin in Isaiah chapter 58, in verse number 6. It says, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? So God's saying, this is why I created fasting. This is what I designed it for. To loose the chains of injustice. The King James Version says, loose the bands of wickedness. And untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Do you know that there is a power available when we fast and we pray? There's a power in that that can break bondages of sin. It can break bondages of sin. Okay, and so this is more than, than just we make mistakes or this, I'm, I'm not, I'm talking about something more than just common sins that, that we deal with, but the Bible actually calls these besetting sins, these specific kinds of sins. Hebrews chapter 12 and 1 says, wherefore seeing we are also, are com- we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. So these are besetting sins, They're not common sins, but these are habitual sins. These are habitual behaviors and attitudes. These are sins that, that cling to us and tangle us and ensnare us. Okay, these are, these are that, it's that secret sin. It's that secret sin that continually weighs us down in shame and guilt. It's, it's that feeling, um, a recurring compulsion to go back to that same sin. We had a cat when I was, um, when I grew up. Her name was Boots. It was a very creative and incredible name. And um, when Boots ate too much, she overate, she would throw up. And do you know what she would do after she threw up? She'd go right back to it. She'd go right back to it and start eating it up again, okay? And you man, that's gross. Why, Why on earth would... Why do we do that? Okay, it's, it's that compulsion. It's that recurring compulsion to go back to that same sin. Okay, there's sins that you can't overcome with simply deciding to stop. It's sins that you come back to again and again, week after week, month after month, year after year. And so I'm talking about dedicated Christians, okay, who deeply love the Lord, but are struggling in sin are struggling these besetting sin. No matter how, how hard they try, no matter how much they repent, these sins just keep coming back 
Okay, so I'm talking about lust. I'm talking about addiction to pornography, compulsive eating, homosexual thoughts and behavior, losing your temper, gossip, lying, gambling, prideful or skeptical attitude, overspending. Those are all examples that could be examples of besetting sins. Okay, so the freedom fast, part of it is targeting these specific sins as you fast. There's a power in prayer and fasting together that breaks this yoke of slavery. It breaks the compulsion to sin. Please hear this today. You don't have to live in that shame anymore. You don't have to live in that shame, that secret shame anymore. But you can be free and you can live in complete victory over that sin. How many of you know that Jesus did not, did not die so that we could live in partial victory? But he died so that we could live in complete victory because his victory was complete. Amen? Jesus is the champion. Okay, and so, so besetting sins. So there's also a power in fasting that sets the oppressed free from, from Isaiah 58 there, verse 6. Okay, so there's a power to, to free us from the bondage of sin. There's a power to set the oppressed free. And besetting sins are actually a sign or a symptom of demonic oppression. Now, how many of you know that demons can't have Christians, but Christians can have demons. Is that true? Okay, so demons can't possess us in the way that they can't own us. But they can have influence and mastery in our life, okay? Um, you're going to come under the influence of anything that you let in. Okay, so if you, if you let in alcohol, lots of alcohol, you're going to come under the influence of that. Does that make sense? Okay, if you leave all your doors and, and windows open and unlocked and, and a thief comes into your house, that thief is going to have influence in your home. Is that true? Does he own your home? No. No. But he can have influence there until he's removed. Until you remove him <clears throat> or have him removed by the proper authority. How many of you know the proper authority to remove demons? Amen? So demonic oppression, it's the, it's the enemy's attempt to subdue us, to enslave us, to gain control over us, to have influence and power in our lives. It's attempt to stop us from living in the finished works of Jesus. It stops us from living in everything that Jesus made available to us from the cross. And so a biblical example here is Elijah. So Elijah comes off an incredible victory against the prophets of Baal. How many of you remember when Elijah prayed and asked God to bring down the fire on the water-drenched altar? And he did, right? But then shortly after that, he hears that Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, Ahab's the king of Israel at the time, she wants to kill him. Okay, because those were her prophets of Baal that he embarrassed and then killed, had killed. Okay, and so she wants to kill him. And he, become, he comes under a spiritual attack 
I would say probably of fear. First Corinthians, sorry, First Kings 19 in verse 3 and 5 is where we pick it up here. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay under the bush and fell asleep. So in 1 Kings 18, Elijah is empowered by God. He's filled with faith. He's walking in his authority. But by 1 Kings 19, Elijah is completely depressed. This is oppression. He was afraid. He's miserable. He's in despair. He felt worthless. He felt shame. He's no better than my ancestors. Right? He's suicidal. He wants to die. He's an emotional wreck. He absolutely is under demonic oppression. Okay? And he allowed it in through his fear. And so what Elijah does is he enters into 40 days of fasting and prayer. He hears the voice of God and is completely set free from that oppressive fear. Amen. Look at other examples of demonic oppression. In the, uh, there's, there's strongholds, and, and these are in your notes here. Uh, strongholds, any patterns contrary to the word that controls our emotions and behavior. Recurring nightmares. Feeling a constant compulsion to do something that's wrong. Besetting sins that we talked about. Addictions. Irrational fears. Numerous fears. Crippling fears. Anxiety. Outbursts of anger. Irrational behavior. Constant thoughts and feelings of accusation. Worthlessness. Shame. Guilt. Always feeling unclean in some way. Having suicidal thoughts. Frequent sickness. Especially those mystery illnesses that doctors cannot find the origin for. Sexual compulsions, repeated sexual immorality, pornography and masturbation, hopelessness, despair, and loss of confidence. A sense of feeling blocked or stifled in one's Christian life, a pronounced loss of enthusiasm for spiritual things. We're going to talk specifically about a fast to break that next week. Failure syndrome, a continual lack of success in life despite one's best efforts. I have, I have good news this morning. Jesus, the anointed one, has broken every chain. Hallelujah. There's not one form of oppression. There is not one weapon in all of the kingdom of hell that Jesus has not thoroughly and completely defeated on the cross. No weapon, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every weapon, every enemy that rises against you will fail because of the power of the cross, because Jesus is the bondage Breaker. So this fast, this freedom fast, it's, it's a calling on Jehovah Nisi. He's the Lord, our banner. He is the Lord, our victory. So how do, how do you target freedom in your fast? Number one, you renounce the sin. You confess it 
and repent of it. So as, you, as you're fasting, you confess and repent of the sin. Then you declare and believe in the word of God. And so we make a declaration of Romans chapter 8. I've been set free by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. God has destroyed sin's control over me through his son. I am under no obligation to sin because of the power of the cross. Declare Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set me free and I am free in Jesus. I'll stand firm in that freedom. I'll not let myself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We need to declare Luke chapter 10. I've been given authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm me in Jesus' name. That means there's no demon, there's no addiction, there's no fear, there's no sin, there's no force, there's no weapon in all of the kingdom of hell that can overcome, that, that you cannot overcome in Jesus Christ. We need to declare Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. I'm seated with Christ far above all authority, principality, power, dominion, and title. Every enemy is beneath my feet in Jesus. So we renounce the sin. We declare the word and believe in the word. And we appropriate the blood of Jesus Romans 12, 11 says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Our ability to live free and overcome all oppression of the devil has been invested in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus has more power than anything in the kingdom of hell. Plead the blood. Make a plea in the spiritual realm. Apply the blood of Jesus to every corner of your house. Apply the blood of Jesus to every corner of your body and your soul and your spirit. It's time to be free. It's time to be free. Listen, target freedom in January 2024 is the date of your release. How does that sound? That's for somebody here today. January 2024 is the date of your release. It's time to get free. Amen. So the freedom fast, the second fast I want to talk about is the Ezra fast. The Ezra fast is based on Ezra chapter 8. And so King Artaxerxes of Babylon has given Ezra thousands of pounds of gold and silver to take back to Jerusalem. The only problem is that the roads to Jerusalem are filled with thieves and robbers. Okay, and so we'll pick it up here in Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river, of, the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before the Lord to seek from him a straight and right way for us, our little ones, and all our possessions. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he heard our entreaty, our plea. We left the river Ahava on the 12th day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us. And he delivered us from the enemy and those who lay in wait by the way. And so this fast is about targeting solutions and answers to problems in your life that you just simply don't have an answer to. This is the Ezra fast. Okay? And so Ezra had a dilemma. 
He had a problem. He had come to an impasse. He did not know what to do next. And so he proclaims a fast. He humbles himself. He seeks the Lord. And God answered. God showed the way and made a way safely. And so this fact, this fast is an act of humility. Okay, it, it's saying, God, I don't know the way. I don't have the answer. I don't know what to do. But my God does. This is the Ezra fast. It's a call to hear the voice of our omniscient, all-knowing God. Whatever the problem, who knows the answer? Absolutely. Uh, some of you might have been familiar with this Christian crusade that happened in South Korea in 1980. Um, Dr. Jun Kim was the chairman of the crusade. However, in 1980, there was, there was severe political unrest in South Korea. And, and, so, um, and there was also actually a, a curfew for the country. The whole, the, whole curf, the whole country was under martial law. And, and so six months before the crusade, Dr. Kim was informed by the police that they've revoked their permission to have the crusade because they just couldn't risk having so many people uh, in one place. And also the curfew would have uh, limited, uh, had impact on the crusade as well. So he had a great problem. And, and he needed a great solution. And so what Dr. Kim decided to do is take his leadership, went up to a prayer mountain, and for 40 days, they fasted and they prayed. And God answered. God gave them supernatural, while they were fasting and praying, God gave them supernatural favor with the police and with the government that wasn't there before. As soon as he came back, the police informed him again, and the government informed him that they had permission to go forward with with the crusade and that the curfew would be lifted for the four-day crusade. They didn't protest. They didn't petition. They didn't bargain. They didn't plead. All they did was humble themselves and fast and pray. And God answered. They went to a higher authority. God supernaturally changed the circumstances. Do you know what that crusade, over 700,000 people gave their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. And over 2 million people were filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. Over 2 million. What if they didn't fast and pray? What if they didn't humble themselves before the Lord and seek the Lord? But there was power that was released when they did. Isaiah 58 and 9 says, Then you will call. And the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. We can target big problems because we have a big God. Amen? Amen. So we've got the freedom fast. We've got the Ezra fast. And we have the <clears throat> Esther fast. And so this is a fast that's targeting protection from an enemy whose purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's a fast about protection. Okay, Isaiah 58 and verse 8 says, Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. God says, I've got your back. I'll be your rear guard. Protect, 
uh, I'll protect you from danger and attack. And so this fast is from the story of Esther. And, and it's not a specific verse here that I'm going to read, but you need to read the book of Esther. It's a quick read. It's about 10 chapters. Okay, and so what happens in, in this story is a man named Haman. He's the highest official in the Persian army. He wanted all the Jews to be killed because he was upset with one particular Jew named Mordecai. Mordecai refused to bow down to him, so Haman naturally thought his entire race needed to be eliminated. Okay, and, and so he thought that all the Jews need to be killed. So Haman gets King Xerxes. Okay, you might remember King Xerxes from the movie 300. Uh, to declare a decree, uh, he was a real king of, of Persia. Okay, and so uh, Haman uh, gets the king to declare a decree that, that all the Jews will be killed. So news of this comes to Esther. Esther is the queen, and she is a Jew. And all of her people are about to be killed. So what does Esther do? She declares a three-day fast for protection. Okay, and not only were the Jews protected from destruction, but Haman, the enemy, was then hanged in the same gallows that he prepared for the Jews. Okay, so there is power in fasting uh, for protection when faced with life-threatening situations. So you can, you, can, you can believe and target that for yourself. You can believe and target that for other people. Okay, Queen Esther was targeting that for other people. It was for her people, right? And so this is a fast that declares Psalm 91. This is a fast that declares God is our refuge, that he will protect us from the traps of the enemy, that he will cover us with his wings, that he'll cause us to trample on lions and snakes under our feet. It declares that a thousand will fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it will not come near us because greater are those for us than against us. This is what you're declaring with the Esther fast. This is a fast that releases the heavenly host, God's angels, to carry out our protection, our safety, our, our preservation, our protection. Okay, and Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels, ministering spirits, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Angels have been created very powerful, but when they're sent by God, they, they do not act and perform in angel power, but when they're sent by God, they're acting in God power. That word sent in Hebrews 1.14 means to be sent in the anointing power of God. We know what the anointing power of God is in Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. It's a bondage-breaking, yoke-destroying power. So angels are sent in God power to minister and to serve every believer in Jesus Christ, those who have inherited salvation. They're commanded to administer the benefits of our salvation, the finished works of Jesus. They're commanded to carry out our freedom, our deliverance, our healing, our righteousness, our peace, our blessing, and our protection. 
Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Does that sound okay? This is what you're releasing when you target the Esther fast. We're releasing. We're releasing angels and angel power. I heard a story of a, a pastor and, uh, and he, uh, set up, he wanted to set up a service outside in one of the worst neighborhoods in New York City. And, and so he's got a big stage set up and, and he's got a choir behind him. Must have been like a, a Baptist pastor or something. And, and there, was a, there was a bunch of people that came uh, to this. Uh, but then all of a sudden, down one of the streets... Uh, came a gang, okay? And it was a group of, of people. They had weapons, and they were coming to uh, end this service. And so when the people that were at this, this service saw this gang coming with all their weapons, they started to run. The choir took off. The pastor said, I don't know what came over me. He said, but I just grabbed my Bible. I started walking towards them. He said, as I was walking towards them, all this entire gang, they, they started to back up. And then they, they, they started to back up and they, and they were against a wall. And they, they started to, to, to crouch down and they started to cower in fear. And they all started to shout, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was real. Do you think they were afraid of the pastor and his Bible? I wonder if they saw some angels with the pastor. I wonder if they saw some Daniel chapter 10 angels. Faces like lightning and eyes like flaming torches and arms and legs of burnished brawn and, and, and uh, voices that roared like a multitude. I'm going to believe that's what they saw. And listen... That is what is available to us as believers in Jesus Christ. That's what's available to us when we target the Esther fast. Amen. You know what? I think I could have done a fourth one. I thought those three were going to take a lot longer than that. <laughs> I just want to spend a little time in prayer. And so I'm just going to invite the worship team forward and our prayer team forward. And so... If you would like, if you would like uh, some prayer, if you maybe like to, to target freedom, maybe you'd like to target um, the Ezra fast and, and you've got serious problems that you don't have an answer to, maybe you'd like to target the Esther fast and, and you need protection, protection. You want to target protection for you and your family as we worship. As the worship team plays, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Our prayer team is going to be standing by. If the prayer team could come forward too at this time. And, and we're going to believe and pray with you. Okay, If, if, uh, if you'd like to just um, spend some time though with the Lord during this time. Engage with Jesus. Engage with God. Okay, And let it, let's, let's hear his voice. Let's hear what he has to say regarding your fast this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 